Hello, welcome to Heritage Church. We are so glad that you are joining us for worship today. As a church, we exist to connect people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. So if this is your first time joining us for service, or if you have any questions, prayer requests, or want to talk to one of our pastors, please go to heritageqc.com connect, and one of us on the pastoral team will contact you this week. For now, I'd like to invite you to raise your voice to make a joyful noise as we begin to worship God together. Would you sing with me? We have our testimony because of what God has done and what His Spirit is doing, amen? Come on, let's sing this together. Here we go. Holy Spirit, by your power. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The power of God lives inside of me. There is salvation now for everyone. To all who believe. You are the hope in the hopeless. Shining your light in the darkness. Breathing new life in creation. Till all eyes can see, here we go, by the power of your spirit. Mountains will shake, strongholds will break, oh, we can feel it. As we live too high, we come alive, we hear the sound.
We're gonna sing one more song before message and I don't want us to miss the truth of this song. Let's not just be a song because it's actually a prayer of declaration. Declaring that God can move the mountains in our lives. Let's, keep, let's sing this with full faith, declaring these truths. They say this mountain can be moved. They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power.
wanna come before you today in this space with lack of trust that you're moving and speaking. God, we declare right now in this moment that you are a God of breakthrough. You are a God who does the impossible. So God, today I, I pray that we can just draw one step closer to seeing your goodness, your faithfulness, and your power. And God, even in moments where we know you're working and we can't see it yet, would you give us trust and faith in those waiting seasons? Amen. I invite you to go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, Rock Island. How you doing? Doing okay? Hey, great to see each of you. It has been great to worship alongside of you. And uh, we want to just continue to worship today. We're, we're kind of doing things a little bit out of order uh, today, or normal order, I guess. But uh, we're going to invite our ushers to come and uh, receive our tithes and offerings uh, as a, a way of worshiping. So ushers, please come forward and, and begin to serve us. And while they do that, friends, I've got several announcements that I want to pass along to you. I, I was at Bettendorf campus last weekend and joked with them that a lot of people think that, you know, in church world, things slow down after Christmas, and I can confirm that that is not true at all. Uh, we've got a lot of great things coming up and going on, and a lot of things that we're excited about, and so we want to make sure to spotlight uh, some of those things. The first thing that is super exciting is today, in this service, 9 o'clock service, we are live streaming our service for the first time to our church online platform. So those people who are checking uh, in on us from home or from wherever they are uh, through our church online platform, they are seeing this as a live feed. And so there's, there's kind of two things that I want to invite us into today. Those of you here at Rock Island, would you just give a warm welcome to those uh, at home that are just checking in on us? Would you just kind of just let them know? We are so glad you're with us. And, uh, and then uh, my second request or challenge is really to the online family. Uh, Pastor Sadie does a great job every week hosting there pastorally. And would you just take a moment on the chat and just tell her how much you love her and uh, just encourage her and uh, let her know that you're there and uh, that you're participating and that you appreciate what she brings to the table each and every week. So there's my request, but I wanted to let you know, um, for those of you who are here, uh, that it might be, might be good for you to know that we are live streaming at nine o'clock if there's anything, maybe you're sick or something, and, uh, and you know that uh, you, can cut, you can tune in and see what's going on here at Rock Island Campus. The other thing that I wanna communicate around, you know, kind of uh, video and online and, and some of those things is we typically post the service on demand uh, at, on YouTube on Sunday afternoon. And we just want you to know that we, we are shifting some rhythms and uh, that will begin to be posted more in the middle of the week, uh, more Wednesday or Thursday, uh, depending on the week. But we just wanna make sure to highlight that that is a change uh, that's coming up and, uh, and just want you to be aware of that. Uh, also, um, we have a, a host of class and, and group environments that are launching very soon. In fact, um, in the lobby, there are these really great cards that will communicate all of the groups that are coming up and going on. And, uh, and so really this Tuesday night, we have two big classes that are launching. One is called Cherish, that's around marriage. And one is called If Money Talks, uh, and that's around finances. And so we just want you to know that those things are happening this Tuesday at Bridgepoint. You can get on Church Center app to, to register for that if either of those topics uh, are, are of interest to you. We're excited about both of those environments. Uh, another thing that's happening uh, around group life is we have 
uh, a, a variety of support groups that are launching next week. And, uh, and so I just want you to be aware of Divorce Care and Grief Share will be launching. And, uh, and we're also creating a new environment called Female Survivors of Sexual Trauma. Pastor Sadie has put in a lot of work in this environment. And uh, we're keeping this uh, more registration-based and anonymous. Uh, we're not really announcing when they're meeting or, or those sorts of things. And we want you to know that we want to provide safe space uh, for you to have to talk through those things. And so again, register through the Church Center app and Pastor Sadie will get back to you uh, as soon as possible. Uh, the other thing, the last thing that I wanna communicate is something that's happening next Sunday, the 23rd, right here at Rock Island Campus, five o'clock. We're gonna be hosting a dwell prayer and worship service. This will be kind of the, the bookend to our breakthrough prayer series. We're excited about it. Uh, we're gonna have a worship service in here and then immediately following the worship service, we're gonna have a time of, of food and, and fellowship uh, in the, the Family Life Center. And so we just want you to know about that and would invite you to come back for that uh, next Sunday. Uh, so uh, we are right in the middle of this breakthrough prayer series. I'm excited about what's gonna happen today as we continue in this series. And, uh, and so I wanna just invite us now as we prepare our hearts to receive the word to take a look at the screens and, and just take a look and, and get ready to receive what the Lord has for us in this moment. All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. But I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, what do you need? Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. Than somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Well, Heritage family, I got to let you know, we are so excited and expectant as we press into this series called Breakthrough. Because we're absolutely convinced there are impossible things that God wants to do in, through, with, for us. That he wants to do breakthrough kinds of things in our world, in our cities, in our church, in our families, and in us individually. And so as we've been preparing for this series, as we've been speaking about it, as our teaching team and pastoral team has been praying and fasting leading into this conversation, I want you to know that part of the conversation has been we are expecting God to do God-sized things. That we want God in a sense on the hook to do impossible things. If on the other side of these conversations of this 22 days of prayer and fasting, if on the other side what we see are things that we could have built or accomplished on our own, then we'll fail like we've missed opportunity in this. But if on the other side of these 22 days of prayer and fasting, we see that God has been at work doing what only He can do, that He has healed bodies and provide in, provided an impossible 
possible ways, that he's restored relationships, that he's brought unity, that he has provided open doors of opportunity to connect in real, genuine relationship outside of these walls, that he has been our provider, our sustainer, our keeper, our leader in ways that only he gets credit for, then man, we are going to celebrate like you would not believe. And so, that gathering that Pastor Josh just spoke about next Sunday, that day is on the calendar with an expectancy as a day where we cannot wait to celebrate what we are confident God is doing even now. So, that being said, I feel like I can't preach this message unless we spend a few minutes in prayer asking him to do some really good things, right? So let's pray together. Father, Son, Spirit, God, we are desperate for you. Increase our desperation, I pray. Lord, where we have come into these moments in our own strength, with our own list of what you should do, uh, God, we lay those aside. We are desperate for you, Holy Spirit of the risen Jesus. You are our breakthrough. So, I pray, would you give us more of yourself? And in these moments, ready our ears and our hearts. Allow us to receive the truth of your word. Allow us, help us to be expectant. And God, give us courage to ask you for God-sized movement for the sake of your great name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my name is Jeremiah. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I get to be one of our teaching pastors here. And part of my story is that several years ago, my wife Sarah and I moved with one other couple uh, to a city we had never lived in before in order to try to start a new expression of the church. And so we and one other couple moved to Pittsburgh and uh, without knowing anybody else there, began the work of planting the gospel in hopes of seeing a church spring forth. It was one of the most beautiful, wonderful, painful things we've ever done. It was, it was incredible. We were actually positioned every day to have to see God move and work on our behalf, and every day he was faithful. But it was incredibly difficult and painful for us. It was as we were getting ready to make that move that we found out God was faithful in answering our other long-term prayer that my wife would have a child. And so here we are, about to move into a season of great instability for us, there's, very, there's minimal guaranteed income for me, and we're trying to do this thing of kingdom work in, in a pretty substantial U.S. city, and we have no idea how it's going to work out. And so we find ourselves having moved to Pittsburgh without, again, without a support system there. We moved there. There's another couple who lives across town, and we're going to do this work together. And the problem is we have to rent while we're in Pittsburgh. And if any of you understand city rents, they are not inexpensive. And so we're paying city rent. What I forgot to tell you is that just a couple years before, we had finally bought our own home. And we bought our own home. Those of you who have been around for a while, at the very peak of the housing bubble so that the day we tried to, to move out, our house had already lost like 20% of its value. 
So here we are. We have a house that we own that we can't rent and can't sell. We're paying city rent, and we're doing everything we know to do. I'm making the money of a church planter, which is dirt, and my wife is working really hard to find a job knowing we're going to need like to feed our coming child and have a place to live. And so there was this bench that, we, that I would go to where uh, I call it our breakthrough bench. I would go there pretty regularly as the needs that we had outstretched the resources we had available. I would go and beg God to do what only he could do. And I had this bench. My wife found about it later, but I would go here because I did not want to, her to see me in desperation, weeping and begging for God to do what only he could do because there was no other way. In one sense, it was adventurous and in another sense it was humiliating and difficult i gotta i gotta tell you week after week month after month god brought breakthrough it's incredible we were risking beyond any recovery and there we saw god time after time after time bring incredible breakthrough and provision for our family we never went without we never missed a mortgage payment we always paid our rent we, had, uh, we were fortunate enough at that time to, be, to actually be driving two vehicles. One of them was, I think, a, a 1997 Honda Civic that didn't have any uh, heat or air conditioning in it. I call this my miracle car because uh, supporters who love us had, had given a couple thousand dollars to help us find this car. So we went to a sandlot, found this car. It was a great car because it ran. And, uh, and so this was, this was the car that we used. It was my miracle car. And so we would use this thing to get all around Pittsburgh. My wife had to go to work. And so I'm buzzing around. And, and uh, all of a sudden, one day in particular, this vehicle starts to make the most horrendous noise I've ever heard come out of a tiny four-cylinder car. And it's like shaking and and this is in the city. Like, you know, I understand some of us love cities, some of us don't. This is in a city that is known for, uh, how do I put this? I think if you were to look back at the city planning history of Pittsburgh, somewhere in a drawer is a child's crayon drawing of how roads and bridges should go, okay? It's just, it seems that well thought out. And so you've got bridges that come into bridges that merge, and all, all that to say is there's, there's no space for a car that doesn't want to move or that's why I'm worried it all the way across. Like, it just doesn't work. And so I remember finally, on this particular day, as the car started to, to really fall apart, it, it uh, got home. Oh, I got home. My wife got home from work, and I told her, I said, I think something's really, really wrong with the car. And so we went and looked and saw what our level of resourcing was at the time. And the level of resourcing at the time was, would you like peanut butter or jelly for dinner tonight? Right? That's about where we were. No word of a lie. We needed this car. We had no way of even getting it to a shop to get looked at, like none. So I did the only thing I knew to do. We went out there. The, our neighbors thought we were absolutely crazy. We went out there, and we laid hands on my car. And we started to pray that the God of heaven would heal our car. I'm telling you, I prayed harder in that moment than I'd prayed in a long time. God, you know what you need? You know we need this. You either need to fix this car or provide a different way. I don't know what's going to happen, but you got to do it. We prayed, <laughs> like, okay, tomorrow the next day, I get ready to go to my second job that we ended up, me working in order to help provide for the family, and uh, I start the car, and it has a worse sound than it did before. Lord, you did not hear us. <laughs> 
reach my hand out, pray. I'm asking God to do what only he can do. As I start backing out of our, of our parking spot and moving toward getting on the road, there's a kathunk. And the car starts running better than it had ever run since we had had it. That vehicle, let me tell you, okay, that vehicle, we traded it in like three years ago, right? It ran and ran and ran. It was our main miracle car. At one point, we were finally able to get it taken into a mechanic to look at. And he's like, hey, who did you get to remove the who's a what's it from the thingamajig? This, that's how mechanical I am, okay? He, he, used, he used better terms than that. But who did you get to, to remove the who's a what's it from the thingamajig? That's a really tough thing to do. And it was done, like, perfectly well. If that doesn't get removed correctly, it can really wreck the whole engine. And I was like, Jesus. You know? that. I share this with you because in each of those moments of God's provision of him healing our miracle car of showing up, what we learned over and over and over and over and over again as we risked in trust is that God can be trusted. God can be trusted. This is kind of the anchor truth for us as we dig into scripture today. It's that God can be trusted. In whatever space of breakthrough that you're holding on to, God can be trusted. Now, it's not just us who see this. It's not just circumstance that reminds us of this. There's actually a passage in Scripture where the psalmist says this. It's a book of, Psalms are a book of prayers and reflections and asking God to move powerfully. In Psalm 37, the psalmist says this, Trust, trust, trust in the Lord and do good so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Here it is. Trust in him, and he will act. God can be trusted. Throughout the scriptures, there's this invitation to trust in the Lord and watch as he acts. To trust, to risk, to go, to seek him in spaces of breakthrough and watch as he does what only he can do. Trust in the Lord and he will act. The psalmist in another place describes the Lord in his name as a strong tower who followers of his can run to and find safety and provision, something that cannot be overcome. The, re- the reminder throughout Scripture, time and time and time and time and time again, is that God can be trusted. In my own breakthrough stories, I see that God can be trusted. And I bet if you look into your stories where you've held out for God to do impossible things, he has reminded you over and over and over again that God God can be trusted. You see, living as though God can be trusted positions us to actually move into greater spaces of breakthrough. It means, according to the scriptures, that that we will do good, we will find delight, we will even encounter our heart's desires if we choose to live in the space of trust, that God can be trusted, hear me, in your current circumstance. That God can be trusted in spaces where you wonder at all if breakthrough can come. God can be trusted. That God can be trusted in that place of disease. That God can be trusted in the place where your loved one is suffering. Where God can be trusted in the space where you thought for sure God was going to bring restoration in relationship and it didn't happen. 
that God can be trusted in the life circumstances that you are in right now that are far from what you would have imagined or desired or designed for yourself. God can be trusted. God can be trusted when we begin to live into our dreams and it feels like, man, we're risking everything and if the bottom falls out, I don't know what I'm going to do. God can be trusted. God can be trusted as he builds your family. God can be trusted as you step into relationship. God can be trusted as you live in pain. God can be trusted in the circumstance that you're at. God can be trusted when you have to get up and go to work one more day for a soul-sucking experience where you wonder if you have a whole other day left in you or not. God can be trusted. Why is that such a big deal? Why am I anchoring in this and this breakthrough space? Why are we talking about how much God can be trusted? It's because of this next key understanding that we need to have. It's that we choose sin when we don't trust in God's goodness. You see, I'm convinced of this more and more, that you and I, we choose sin, which are those activities, those processes, those mind frames that move us further and further and further away from God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. We choose sin when we don't believe God can be trusted. That's been part of the story of humanity from the very beginning. If you were to turn back the pages of Scripture to the first chapter of Genesis and see the story, the first chapters of Genesis, and see the story of humanity breathed with the breath of life and beginning to move, God tells Adam and Eve, the man and woman, that all that they can see is theirs. Every tree, every plant, every fruit bearing whatever in the garden is theirs to enjoy but they need to trust him with one and then the serpent comes and convinces them God can't be trusted he's trying to withhold something good from you and then the story changes Every space, I'm convinced more and more, every space of sin in our lives where we choose to move away from God's goodness is actually a declaration that we do not trust the goodness of God. When it comes to our relationships, how we spend our money, how we interact with one another, how we connect with God or others or our purpose, when we choose sin, it's a bold declaration that we don't actually trust in God's goodness. It's heartbreaking. It's sad. It's part of why throughout the New Testament when Christ has come and given us his spirit, the leaders of the church say time and again, choose the way of right living. Choose the way of holiness because that decision to live in the way of Jesus is not just saying no to sin. It's saying yes over and over and over again to God's goodness. And if your people of God's goodness have nothing to do with the stuff that moves you away from his goodness. You see, we choose sin when we don't trust in God's goodness. It's root in some, our, our choice to sin is rooted in some brokenness in us. It says, I don't trust that God will deliver on his promises, that he will do what he says he can do. Do you see how important this is, how substantial this is when it comes to speaking about our areas of breakthrough where we're asking God to do impossible God-sized things? How do we ask him to do that and hold out for that when we actually are saying, but I'm not really sure you can be trusted? It's a tough spot to be. 
See, I think this is why throughout the scriptures, consistently we see that confession is often tied to breakthrough. Throughout the scriptures, we see that confession is often tried to breakthrough. Confession of our sin, confession of that space where you said, God, I actually didn't trust in your goodness. I didn't trust enough to obey. I didn't love enough to pursue. That confession is tied to breakthrough. We, we see it as some sort of almost, I, I hate to put it this way, but, but it's the best metaphor I can come up with. Is sometimes it's like confession is one of the keys to unlocking God's breakthrough in a moment in our life. And we see it in the Old Testament, the passage of Scripture you've seen as part of this conversation already, where the, where the writer says, God to his people declares, if my people who are called by my name will repent, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, if they will confess and turn, then, oh man, watch what I do as I hear from heaven. If we will choose to repent and seek forgiveness. The conversation throughout Scripture is repent, ask for forgiveness, turn away, be saved, confess. There's a passage of Scripture that highlights this really well. Steve Norman, uh, a couple of weeks ago, highlighted it. And just so you know, we're going to be in the book of James primarily, chapters 4 and 5. But we read this passage of Scripture in James chapter 5 around spaces where people are asking for breakthrough. He says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Breakthrough. The Lord will raise them up. Breakthrough. Only God gets credit for it. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Breakthrough. So, therefore, here's the hook, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Wait, what? Healing? And the confession of sins are somehow tied together? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There is a very real sense right here in Scripture that our confession of where we've doubted God's goodness, of where we've chosen a way that moves us further and further from His good, pleasing, and perfect will, a confession not just to God but to each other, somehow plays a substantial and significant role in our breakthrough. Now, some of us, some of us get frustrated and concerned about that because we have this dialogue that says, if God really loved us, then, then why would he want us to, to go into that space of, of shame or feeling condemned and have that conversation? Because of who Jesus is, we have liberty, and we can do whatever we want. And here's the truth. The liberty and goodness of God is to move us into more and more of the life we were always meant for. And to live into the life that we were made for will require us to choose the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And in order to be able to do that, we need to stand clean before Him. And to stand clean before Him, we receive the rescue and forgiveness of Jesus. Part of that is confessing what we've done and where we are. Here's a challenge for us. Some of us don't know what to confess. 
And we're afraid to do so because, again, we're afraid of being condemned and living in shame. But the way Jesus works and the way his spirit works and moves among us is not from a place of condemnation and shamefulness, but it is a beautiful place of invitation into the life you were always made for. We've said it this way before. We do not need to be ashamed, but we cannot stay where we are. Here's our invitation today, friends, as we seek out breakthrough to ask Holy Spirit to reveal to us where it is that he might have us say, God, whether knowingly or unknowingly, I have been actively participating in things that aren't moving me greater and greater into your presence, but further and further from them. So what, what are some areas that, that we may need to acknowledge or confess? The writer actually, I think, anticipating that question, leading up to that moment where he says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, so confess your sins one to the other. He actually, a whole chapter before, as he's moving people into that place of saying God wants to do incredible, amazing, breakthrough kinds of things in and through you begins to list some things. There are some times in Scripture where, where I read descriptions of what the church is about, and I think, man, I'm so glad I'm not a part of that church. They are messed up. They have some things, right? You ever do that? Maybe not. Maybe I'm the only one. I wonder, though, sometimes if generations from now, people will look back at the church in North America and say, man, I'm glad I wasn't part of that mess. There's some challenge. Let's read through this and see what the writer says are some places and opportunities for us to see God's goodness, to risk and trust. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because when you ask, you do so with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. This first paragraph, (laughs) the writer is saying, hey, there's a whole group of you who are, who are living in jealousy, who are choosing divisiveness, who have impure motives, who are selfish in your pursuit, so much so that you'd be willing to kill to get the next best thing. So much so that you're willing to use other people for your own advancement instead of laying aside your need and opportunity for the sake of others advancing into the goodness of God. But he continues... You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This is hard language. Or do you think that Scripture says without reason, he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That's good news. He gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. The writer is saying there are systems and there are structures in this world that stand in stark contrast with the goodness and kingdom work of God. 
And you and I, when we choose to live in full-out allegiance to the systems and structures of this world, well, then we are, by the very nature of doing so, declaring we don't want anything to do with the systems and structures of God's kingdom and His heaven. So the writer's saying, hey, get... Like, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Look and see what's happening here. That we are to seek His grace, to live holy for Him, to bring humility and find favor. It continues. We could spend a lot of time unpacking this. But we're going to kind of buzz through. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Again, there's a question of who are you submitting to and where are your allegiances? There's a juxtaposition of holiness and purity of a call to genuine repentance, a promise that when we choose humility, God will lift us up. There is a very real call. What we just saw in this passage is an invitation not to move so quickly past our sin, not to acknowledge it and then say, well, but the circumstances of my life made me do that. But it wasn't really my fault. But, but you see, I know I was using people for the sake of my own advancement, but if you were in my shoes, you would have done the same thing, wouldn't you, God? God understands. He sees and he knows. No, that is not what the invitation is here. The writer says, hey, these are the things that the church, because he's writing to a group of people, have been active participants in. And the only response ought to be to stop to ask Jesus in his name for his purity and wholeness and holiness and then to sit on the ash heap of what we have done for a moment and to say, God, I weep, I mourn, I wail because my sin is not against other people. It's not against myself. My sin is first and foremost and always against you the one who gave himself for me. And then that sin causes me to live in brokenness with others and myself. So if that's the case, then why is it that we are so resistant to confession? If in stepping into confession we find release, I think we resist confession when we don't trust in God's, good, in God's forgiveness and restoration. You see, so there's a cycle here. We choose sin because we don't trust in God's goodness. And we refuse confession because we don't trust in God's restoration and forgiveness. And so we just get stuck. We make a decision and we live in shame. And we make a decision and we live in shame that moves us further and further away from who God is desiring and asking us to be. There's one more passage of scripture that says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That forgiveness and that purity are the restoration that Jesus brings. God desires us to know fullness of life and purpose in him. 
And so I'm convinced of this. As we've been talking today, there have been some spaces and places in your life, I would imagine, that Holy Spirit has been saying, this is something I've been inviting you to give to me. This is a place where you know it's moving you further away from the goodness I have for you. It's a relationship, a thought pattern, an experience, something that you're doing that's pulling you from me. Know that God is faithful. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. So I know there are some, some self-specific moments and interactions that need, to, that need to happen between you and God. And we want to create some space to do that, but we're going we're gonna to do it in a couple of different ways. First is I would like to lead us, church, in a moment of confession and prayer. As we have walked through this scripture, as we've seen God's invitation to find breakthrough, to know that he wants to move on our behalf, but that there are moments where we have to risk in trust and lay before him the things that we know are broken and ask for his healing and forgiveness, I believe we as the church in North America need to do this. And I believe we as heritage, as part of that, need to sit in this space and ask for God's forgiveness for some things. I trust as we do it, we'll be positioned as never before for breakthrough. We're not doing this so that breakthrough will come, but understanding that if we hold on to our sin, we may never experience the breakthrough God has for us. So I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And then I'm going to invite you into a couple of next steps. But first, I would just invite you, you can pray this out loud, you can You can sit as you are and just be in this moment. God, holy and righteous one, we confess that we have sinned against you. We have trusted in our own strength and in our own wisdom and in our own ability rather than in yours. Forgive us. God, we have neglected the orphan, the widow, the stranger, and the marginalized as we've sought to hold to our own comfort and entitlement. Forgive us. God, we have given our allegiance first to the systems, the orders, and the power brokers of this world. And we, your church, have forgotten that we are Subjects, sons and daughters in your kingdom. God of heaven, we have failed to live in selflessness. We've insisted on our own rights and we have refused to lay them aside for the sake of others in Christ-like humility. We have, O God, chosen division over peace, faction over unity, and preference over purpose. We weep and we mourn and we wail. We don't deserve your forgiveness and yet In the name and by the blood of Jesus, we ask for it. Allow us 
please to see the horror of our sin. Give us courage and strength to live into the new and living way of Jesus. God, we ask this with confidence. We ask this in humility. We ask these not as magic words to unlock breakthrough, but saying, oh Lord, oh God, we need you. Friends, I believe our next step is to choose individually to risk and trust. And so the reflection question today is simply this, where do you need to risk and trust? I want to give us an opportunity here for the next couple of moments to, to risk in trust together. Somewhere around you is a breakthrough card that looks like this. It's got breakthrough on one side and just a space to write some things down on the other. I believe that God wants to do God-sized impossible things in your world. I believe he's going to invite you to a place of confession and repentance. I also believe he wants to help you live into something far greater than you've ever yet experienced. And so this card simply says, give space for your name and a place to write my breakthrough. Here's what we're inviting you to do with this. As you've identified the breakthrough space, the God-sized thing that you want to see God do in humility and expectation, we're inviting you, write that down. And then in a few moments, the team's going to lead us. And as they do so, you can bring these and lay them before God on the altar as as a sign of expectation. Say, God, I'm waiting for you to do what only you can do. As you experience answer in that, maybe you've had a breakthrough and you've prayed for it and you've seen God move, then we ask you, write down how God brought that breakthrough because we want to celebrate that with you. We want to share the story of God's goodness and breakthrough power. Lay it down at the altar. And if this is the most efficient way for you to declare, this is the space that I am confessing before God, the brokenness that I have, and the place where I'm asking Him to bring breakthrough as I confess my sin, do that as well. Those of you joining us online or by TV, I encourage you to use our virtual connect card to do the very same thing. And so that's our next call. Where do you need to risk in trust? That is a risky thing to write and declare, this is the breakthrough I'm waiting for. It is a risky thing to say God showed up and I'm trusting that he will continue to do so. It is a risky thing to say this is the space of brokenness in my life. Without fear of condemnation or judgment, I am bringing this before him knowing he wants to bring healing here. So I'm gonna invite you to stand and worship and respond by bringing those cards forward as the team leads us now.
come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for and drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This is the invitation for us today. Leave behind. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Yes, yes, Jesus. Jesus is calling, oh come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, oh come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's bought by your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Oh, what a Savior, isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. You guys believe that this morning? Bow down before Him, for He is Lord of all. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Come on, let's respond in praise. Here we go. And oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. down before him for he is Lord of all sing hallelujah Christ is risen oh come to the altar the Father's arms are
precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ cross as you wait for the crown tell the world of the treasure you found Jesus is calling oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. If something during the service struck a chord with you and you'd like to have someone pray with you, or if you have a follow-up question is something said during the sermon, I'd encourage you to go to heritageqc.com connect and one of us on the pastoral team will reach out to you this week. That's also a great way to find out which groups, classes, and events we are offering. Did you know that the only place in the Bible God says we can and should test Him is in our tithing? We'd encourage you to faithfully risk with us and give with radical generosity. It is your giving to the ministries of Heritage Church that makes programs like this possible. One of the easiest ways to do this is by going to heritageqc.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us for worship today, and we will see you next week.